Hi there, and thanks for listening to Sheem Satira's very first podcast series, Sounds Like Folk. My name is Joanne Barry, and I am the Repertory Director with the National Folk Theatre at Sheem Satira. My involvement with Sheemsa began as a nine-year-old child, and I've been working with the company as a performer, teacher, and all-round folky for the last 15 years. Despite the current restrictions, the creative impulse to swap our stories and engage with our audiences remains. I hope you enjoy this new way of Bohan Tiacht, or gathering together, allowing a window into Sheemsa which itself was born from a coming together of like-minded people, a place where ideas and stories are celebrated. Today I'm delighted to be chatting to my friends and fellow folkies and another generation of community cast performers, Helena Brosnan, Jamie Flannery and Derwin Myers. I hope you enjoy the chat. Hi guys. Hi Joe. Hi Joe. So uh, today we are joined by three community cast members. Uh, they've been with us for, with Sheemsa for a long time. They can tell us in a while how long. Uh, we're joined by Jamie Flannery and Derwin Myers and Helena Brosnan. And there's Dingle, Dublin and Galway on Zoom today. So we might start um, just by asking very quickly um, when you joined and how long you've been with us for. Maybe Helena, we'll start with you. Yeah, no problem. Um, I've been with Sheemsa since the age of five and I, I, I did my audition for Fanuig at the age of five and um, I don't remember very much from it apart from I remember that I did the hardest Irish dance step I knew at that time which was my hard reel which to me at the time was like a big deal and um, yeah I got into Fanuig then and I did two years there and um, then auditioned for Oliver and I always remember this moment because Oliver came to Fanuig and we were outside, there was a bunch of us outside jumping over the wall and um, we weren't supposed to do that. It was dangerous. And I was one of the people jumping over this wall. And that night then we got called into audition for Oliver. And I remember all of us thinking, oh my God, we're going, we're going to be kicked out because we were jumping over this wall. And I was like, maybe going on seven. And I remember thinking, how am I going to tell my mom and dad? that I was jumping over the wall and I was going to get kicked out. <laughs> yeah, but it actually wasn't. It was it was Oliver and we went in and we did a dance and a song. And um, I remember him saying, you know, okay, you can come in into Shimsa next week. And I went home to mom and, and dad and was telling them, I have to go to the building with the big red doors. You know, I don't have to go to Fanuig. I have to go to the one with the big red doors. And mom and dad, bless them, were like, I don't know if she has that right. Yeah, the right story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they asked and then they were like, oh, no, she is right. Yeah. So that was my first season. I came in then and did a season. Yeah. And you were young, like compared to the kids now, you were young. And, you know, we all know how special you are, Lena, but you must have been really special if they brought you <laughs> after only two years of training. <laughs> Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, yeah. And then after that season, they were just like, okay, you just come back to, to Sheemsa now and do like yeah. the modular classes yeah. and um, have been there ever since then. So like, I'm, I'm 32 now. So have been there a, a long time. A long time. Yeah. And you haven't, missed, you haven't missed many seasons either, have you? 
No, I've missed um, maybe about three. I went yeah. traveling for a few years, yeah, um, and about three seasons. And you'd miss them those summers, you know, the, you'd be looking at your watch at half seven thinking, oh, I've usually been in Sheemsa now at the half seven call. So um, it was lovely to return to it then and be part of it all again. Yeah, lovely. Thanks, Alina. Uh, Mr. Jarwin Myers, hey. tell us your stories. Uh, so I'm no, it sounds like I'm announcing a death. I'm no longer with Chimsa. Um, well, you know, technically the doors never close. It never is closed. No, it, it definitely no. isn't. Um, I, um, auditioned in 1999 and cause that was the, um, that was, I, I was even more special than Helene. I went straight into the shows. Um, it was one of the, it was one of the, <laughs> it was one of the very last Christmas shows, um, that was done um so i yeah i remember um me and my family used to always go to the ramboys night in um listrol races it used to be on a friday night and um yeah i had been dancing i'd been doing like dancing in primary school jimmy smith actually had been coming to my primary school and doing classes there um and either he had said something to my mom or i saw she had caught in wind of it anyway and we were on our way out to listrol and we pulled in besides the thatch cottage and my mom was like, your shoes are in the boot. There's some people inside in this house that we want to go and dance with them. And I was delighted because I was like, anybody that I could perform for at the time since I got like the sort of dancing bug, I was like, absolutely. Went in, hadn't an iota what was going on. Um, and then I didn't really care. I came out, my mom asked me, she was like, how did it go? I was like, I think they liked my dancing. And uh, <laughs> and then it sort of starts in Fenuig, but everything got kind of fast track because the children were part of the Christmas shows at that yeah. time. So I got to like, I got to be in that straight away. And then I was like hooked. And then I think which is sort of like a common theme with Jim said, there's always a bit of a shortage of men. Um, so I was for a couple of years then I was still going to Fenuig, but performing in the summer seasons. Okay. So I was kind of getting the best of both worlds. Yeah. Um, and then like after three or four years doing like Jerry Monarchs and like the third year show, they were just like, just go in. Yeah. Your brand, like going to the old Monday night classes there in the summer season. And I was with Chiefs then. So 99 was the, the first show. And I was there until 20, the summer season of 2016. So 18 years. Um, and then I moved to Dublin for work. So it was physically impossible. But well, you know, you never know now because we we all live our lives on Zoom. So maybe we'll just have Zoom performances and Derwin can have a starring role. Oh, really? bring me back yes. to Jerry Monarch because I'm mad for it. Get the shoes out and start warming up. Stretch those calves. Absolutely. Yeah, so, uh, Jamie, you're last but not least. Yeah, so I, I think I started when I was six back in Top Teams in Nicaragua. So I remember going back at the time and thinking I was very young because I'd only started dancing maybe a year. Okay. And I was sent back anyway to audition. <laughs> and see how I get on so I remember going back and doing the audition and then maybe I only spent a year or a year and a half back there and again as Derwin mentioned there was a shortage of <laughs> young boy characters first known for though at the time as yeah. far as I remember so probably we were all brought in and I think it was my second season I was brought on the Shimsa stage to mm. do the small boy character for Sanam Fado. Okay. And also still going back to Carig on the Monday nights or Tuesday nights and then doing 
uh, the summer season as well. So that's where it all started. And and you're still been still still performing until last or uh, 2019. Yeah, was the last the last show we did. Uh, but yeah. It's amazing, really, when when we talk about it in terms of years and lots of people have said, you know, you don't realize it because you're in it. But the longevity and the amount of time we spend, we have spent either in the past or, or now together. And and we don't know any different. You know, we're part of Shimsa. We, you know, made all these friends from Shimsa. We spend every summer together. God knows we're like someone said we're like a dysfunctional family for five months <laughs> of the year which is a fair point because we all spend so much it's a wonder you know that we don't kill each other but we don't you know we spend so much time together on stage but there's that outlet I suppose as well in the shows uh, where we can kind of let off steam but I think the word community has come up a lot um, as I've talked to different people and I think the the day the day we are we're in today that's been kind of severed in whatever shape or form not just as part of Shimsa even the community that you live in your community of colleagues your community your family even those those severs have are really kind of prominent and I didn't think I would miss Shimsa as much as I do just not even doing six months because we all know how hard that is but just the actual the building the going in the the meeting people so Maybe we could just talk about a little bit about what that community idea means. I know now we're not sort of together or, um, but it, it is a sort of community and it's got a history to it, which gives it more weight as well. Yeah, like when, I don't think you understand Shimsa fully unless you're in within the folds itself. Mm -hmm. Like it's trying to explain like a dynamic that like you said, Joe, you would have with a family member. Mm -hmm. And the best way, I think of it as just like safety as like you know it's like you know there's always those people that you're incredibly close with that you can sit in silence with comfortably mm. like that but also at the same time you could say something ridiculous and yeah. someone will go oh my god yes yeah. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about or you could say look I have a mad notion and then someone's, someone will just turn around and say say no more I'll help you. Like, let's do that. I think that's that's what it is. It's sort of it's like this lovely little space where sort of it's just everything is understood and accepted and sort of you're all sort of you can kind of get into like different relationships. And I think people have spoken in the past about intergenerational, which is fantastic. But it's I think it actually transcends that. I think it's just sort of like it's a lovely little bubble. Sometimes the bubble needs to be burst, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's a lovely little safe little haven that I I feel sometimes when I return to the building that like my body almost relaxes a small bit. Okay. Like yeah. that you walk in and you're just sort of like, ah, I'm kind of like I've come home. Yeah, yeah. It is I, that to me. Is you know when you're a kid and you're in the arts, you really a lot of people don't get you because you're like this all singing, all dancing kind of prancing around the place. <laughs> kind of person and a lot of kids are not like that you know they're and then you find these people that are like that even as children I remember going to Fenuig and thinking okay so these people do the same because nobody in my school my primary school really had you know pursued the arts and I remember getting to Fenuig and going okay this is my tribe you know absolutely I suppose what Derwin highlighted there I think um and you did as well Joe about community it's the like-mindedness of everybody coming together and the, I suppose, the way that you can easily bond with each other. 
mm-hmm. and how you form those friendships so fast and you mightn't see each other for six seven months of the year and be that the summer season goes from uh, May to September but it's like yesterday again when you're back on stage yeah. with each other yeah. and it's this element of bouncing off each other and being able to yeah. have the fun and the crack and still perform and I think that's what really for me is something that I suppose if you're doing shows five nights a week that you um, bounce off each other and are able to connect with each other so well on stage that you perform differently each night and that's what brings the uniqueness to the performance as well I think because we're all so similar that we're able to I don't know connect well with each other on stage and just yeah support each other as well as well yeah and that translates I think in the performances as well because lots of people would say oh you look like you're having such a good time and the last time there was a lot of jokes and and you know stuff going on that we want (laughs) (laughs) and you have to get to that point to get yourself through six months of shows you know you have to find the fun in it I think there's also that that sense I find with Shimsa that you you're a real team and I mean that in the wider sense so it's not like uh all the performers are just together or all the musicians or you know there's that real sense of you understand and respect everybody's role and you you know as you said even from a really young age all the all the cogs I suppose in the machine and how important they are and how they all work together and just yeah I, I remember going to to other companies and and thinking oh like I I I know how a theatre works you know I know what the stage manager does I know what the lighting designer does you know I know all of these different aspects because I've grown up with them as part as my friends as my family mm-hmm. as a whole team working together so there's that real element of that that whole building as Derwin said, is your safe space and all the people in it, you respect really for, for what they can do and their professionalism, but they're also your friends and you really yeah. understand what they do and um, they're your tribe, absolutely. And the professionalism as well is a thing that people have commented on. You know, we are we are a, a semi-professional, I guess, there's a professional company, but the community cast, I wouldn't call them amateurs, I'd call them semi-professional because they have other jobs. But there's definitely a level of professionalism there that, you know, has been commented on and people have said, oh, you know, this is a really high standard of, of um, entertainment, I suppose, as well, and, and, and a well-oiled machine. Yes. I'd like to talk um, a little bit about maybe perhaps picking a favourite moment from the vast repertoire or it doesn't even have to be a moment in a show because all three of you at some point have been involved in devising work as well. Um, some of you with Gwen Ear, some of you with Imi Gain, some, you know, with different shows. And I think that's really important to the core team because we feel, always feel that when we bring people from the community cast to be part of that, it's your show then. It's not us telling you what to imagine or what to, what to do or what to dance or what to sing. Um, yeah, so it doesn't have to be that, but if it is, that's well and good. Um, it could be a song, it could be a moment of someone performing, just a favourite, a favourite moment or a standout moment, maybe. Um, Jamie, do you want to start? Yeah, absolutely. I suppose you did highlight there. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed being involved in the devising um, of Ungrainier in, in uh, 20... Yeah, what is time? <laughs> the way, the way is time, yeah. Um, because it was bringing, um, I suppose the element of um, ideas and then going through the ideas and choreographing um, 
pieces into then a full production at the end, which was something that I learned so much from being involved with yourself, Jonathan and Anne, and then all of the gang that were involved as well. We all learned so many different skills off each other. Um, but I suppose for me, um, a highlight is being able to perform in Elan really, because I suppose with my connection to the Blaskets and the Irish language and kind of being from West Kerry, mm. what I love about Elan is the story that it tells and how it's portrayed through, I suppose, all of the elements of dance and music and song and how it brings the audience on a journey. And what I love is being involved within it and I suppose the different snippets within the show and how we can portray them through the different types of dance as well on top yeah. of the layers of songs and music yeah. is probably one of the main uh, performances that I just love being part of. That show itself really for me is one that I think stands out as a, a show that I love being part of. Lovely. Thanks, Jamie. Helena? Um, God, it's hard, it's hard to pick one, isn't yeah. it? There's, there's so much, but um, I always kind of love, I suppose, nightly. There's there's moments where, um, say, Roisin Do, for example, comes to mind, and that moment where everybody comes in with their harmony, and you're just, I don't know, in my head, I'm always like, oh, my God, I'm part of something that's so special. Like, I look around the stage, and I'm like, all of these people are my friends, and here we are all singing in four-part harmony and you know and the audience is really enjoying it and it's such a, a captured moment and I think you know even off the stage I find those those moments really nice you know because you could be at a birthday party and because we're all friends we're, we're all at the same parties and you know somebody might start singing a song and you know you'd be in a conversation with somebody and you'd be like sorry two seconds I just have to sing my harmony here and you go off into your harmony and there's always that moment where people are like wow like yeah what, what is happening this is so magical but it's just ingrained in us that we were, we're like oh yeah I just you know I sing my harmony line but mm -hmm. I think you know some points and at night and shows I just think god this is very special you yeah. know and, and I'm sharing it with my friends you mm -hmm. know but definitely the singing has that sort of magic it's like that switch that switches on like father Hearn used to say and Jordan used to say like a Click on like a switch and Roisin Dove is definitely one of those no matter how many times you do it with 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 your team and with your with your cast it does give you goosebumps that Roisin Dove harmony whatever there's a one particular note in there where the four come together and it's like oh my god it's it really is a magic magic, a magic moment yeah absolutely Derwin uh I don't have one <laughs> I had to like I genuinely really thought about this because I was like it's so long the amount of like you were saying we spent so much time together yeah. uh and like Helena was saying like it's it's some of my favorite like I used to love that window of 20 minutes from about like 10 to 8 to 10 past 8 when you just be like you'd be done with the half seven call mm -hmm. you hadn't gone down to the warm-up yet and there was sort of an air of casualness because you were with your friends but also everyone was very much like we're doing a show tonight yeah i'm going to get my costume ready i'm going to get my bits ready like i'm and i i, I sometimes when i think of teams i just think of that 20 minute like golden okay. window which is lovely but um in terms of performance there's like two uh one is um Samhain in 2001 okay um because 
it was like going into like Willy Wonka's like factory because the kids in that show they're on at the very opening and they're on at the very end and you might be in I think you like a handful were in a cup a smattering of scenes throughout but for the majority like even when it came to the tech and dress and even the actual show itself you were just kind of observing and you were just watching the rest of the company mm-hmm. and that show was literal magic mm-hmm. but like there was the Kyluk and there was like the Puka and there yeah. was the fairies and great moments in that show. Mm. I remember looking at it going, I want to do that. And looking at the likes of Michelle and Adrian and Rob and, and everybody that was in it and like seeing people having to put on like multiple costumes <laughs> or like, like doing all of these, like going from the dance scene into something a little bit more contemporary into sort of like that haunting scene. Um, and Katzi singing in that as well. And even like that was so, that for me was probably the moment where I was like, this is a magical place that we can kind of explore stuff. And then the second one was um, when we did, we brought Fado Fado back. And um, it wasn't really discussed. I don't even know if I was asked. And then it was sort of like, oh, you'll be the old woman in the inside scene. <laughs> and that was the first time that I was like, I've made it. this is my Hollywood moment because it's like once again if you were to try and explain that to somebody on the outside they're like are you tapped yeah um but it's such a like there's a legacy in Shimsa that can sometimes be a double-edged sword but that is like you know we're all very wary of whose shoulders we stand on indeed and I like Shawnee O'Mahony is like yeah just legendary yeah so then the idea that and then I got I, I don't know it felt like even though it was towards the end before I left she out I almost felt like I just arrived because yeah. almost getting the seal of approval from the likes of Pierce mm. or Geraldine or even you know nobody else questioned it was like Derwin's going to do the old woman and people were like yeah that makes sense I was just like that that approval in itself was like amazing mm. um so those two, there's one other moment that I did love, mm-hmm. but it wasn't about me. It was actually for, it was for Im again when you when you directed him again. Oh. I was very proud of you. Thanks, Darwin. Because I think, and it goes to what we were saying earlier around, you know, we know the people, not the professions. Mm. So any any time that there's like, I think it was like so Im again for you, what the folk, I was very proud. I was mm. proud of you, Helena, when I performed in the midsummer. Yes. Um, but it, when you see people you know like it's like when you see someone who's talented at something you just feel like you're in safe hands when you see somebody you know excelling at something mm, you're just like oh. them, yeah. and I was so I remember talking to you and I was like some sort of silly little question I was like what's going to be it was like very early in the process I was like what's going to be in the show like what are you going to put in it what sort of show is it going to be and you, and you said so honestly you were like I'm going to make the sort of theater that I would like to go and see mm. You know, I'm going to, and I was like, that is, yeah, that's it. And I was, so then eventually in like the jigs and the reels and everything that went into it, <laughs> um, but when we eventually got there and it was done, I was like, that's Joe's like, you know, her name's on that. And we got to watch the DVD at your house and that's all that. Right. That's right. It was lovely. Um, it was, I, it was, I said in another podcast, it was terrifying. Obviously it was terrifying. But it was great, you know, there's a line in that terrible movie, Three Kings, and it, it's like the bravery comes after. 
And it's true. The bravery comes after like, okay, I did that. It's just, it's just a shame. You can't remember that when you're in the midst of it, you know, it's so silly. Right. And it's so inconsequential, but that feckin' wool. Oh, I know. I know. And it was so funny because I think that was like the definition of expectation versus reality. We were all there like willing it to happen. We were like, this is, come on, pull it together, everybody. Joe's in the audience watching, right? We're opening like two days. Yeah. It just wasn't. But it all came together in the end. But, you know, there's probably better ways. Like, you know, Joe decided to go for wool, you know. (laughs) Probably with all the materials in the world right now and all the technology and the lights and the projection, there's probably... (laughs) an easier way of achieving the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Stuck on that wool thing. And then I remember Sue Ellen McCarthy, who choreographed, said, you know, that's a really strong moment. I was thinking, right, we've got to get the wool. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Darwin. That was lovely. So just to change tack a little bit, I'm talking to the three of you who are sort of um, of a similar age, have been with the company for a similar amount of time. And um, we are a kind of at a, a pivotal moment I think in Sheems at the moment where you know there's obviously been a pandemic for the last year we haven't been together we haven't been able to perform and, and perform as we normally would and I think that we're up against a lot of things as well you know there's everyone's been at home for the last year watching screens and people have been streaming plays and it to some degree it's been successful and in other ways it hasn't and I think there's a, definitely a core number of people who think that believe that we can't wait to get back to going into a theatre and sitting down and experiencing that immediacy what would your hopes or aspirations be for the company going forward um in the climate that we're in yeah it is it's a very difficult one um I think you know I suppose first and foremost like like everybody the hope is that we we get to be back together and and performing and doing what we love you know because um it's, it's a very special outlet for all of us, you know, like not only is it friendships and, you know, and we're, we're showing our skills to a certain extent, but, you know, it's it's a, a form of expression that I think, you know, um, performers and artists kind of need, you know, it's, it's, it's their walk or it's their exercise or it's their cup of coffee with their friend, you know, it's, it's their version of that and it's something that they need for for their own mental health and just to sustain yeah. their own kind of happiness, I suppose. So, um, yeah, I suppose getting back together is would be wonderful and performing together again. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the future, then um, it's it's hard because Sheems is so it's so unique and it's so special and it's it's um, it's important, I suppose, to take to take care of that whilst also you know moving it forward and going with the times, you know. And, and Sheems has a very special way of of telling stories you know it's it's unique and um as we've mentioned before in this podcast sometimes it can be hard to explain because you're saying oh we, we don't traditionally use dialogue and then people might think oh so do, do you mime and then you're like no we don't mime because we we use song and dance and and music and everything um so i think it's it's important that that seems to keeps that 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 it's a very unique and it's their way of storytelling and, and it's beautiful and and you don't really see it done in many other places yeah. um i think maybe it might be interesting in terms of content the content that it does you know so like you can adopt the same way of doing it but what your the story you're telling might be a little bit different you know now whether that's you know um a reflection of modern day society or whether it's you know um telling stories that maybe 
aren't like traditional Irish folklore tales or, you know, maybe it's a, an Irish playwright and you're you're doing a play, but you're using Sheems's way of doing it, you know. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have to introduce songs and you're going to have to take away the dialogue of the play, but tell the same story in Sheems's way, you know. Yeah. Um, I think there's there's many avenues and, and the fact that we have, you know, the word national in our in our title, you know, is really it's really important and it's um, there's not many places that have that, you know. So I think, you know, really grabbing that with both hands and going with it and being like, yeah, we are the National Folk Theatre. And, you know, we have loads of ideas, loads of loads of talent, you know, loads of commitment and um, really being like, yeah, we can actually, we can expand that net wider because mm -hmm. we can and, and we want to, and we want to share all these stories with people. So yeah. I think, yeah, I think, you know, maybe keeping the Shimsa essence, but um, exploring the content maybe would be something I think I would be interested to, to see where that would lead. Lovely, thank you, Helena. Yeah, I suppose um, just touching on what Helena mentioned there, I think it will be very important to get everybody back together, especially because I think uh, dancers, musicians, um, singers, all artists really need to be physically performing with each other and be able to bounce off each other and I suppose it's something you mentioned Joe before about the element of finding it so tough not being in the same room to to devise or to work with somebody else because you're missing that physical interaction of bouncing off each other when you're trying to come up with something new yeah. so that's something that I think is key to Shimsa and going forward even if we do adapt to this element of online nature you still need to go back to the fact that it's essential for the arts that we do physically interact with each other and also then looking at going forward I think what's what the three of us will I suppose all um, have learned is learning from yourself Joe or Jonathan or Anne or Georgian and Oliver and Adrian you know there's a lot of people that we've learned skills from that have been passed down to us that we've built on and grown with and there are elements of Shimsa that you can't teach someone until you're performing with each other or you're um, being shown a way of doing it but taking your own stance on it then and building yeah. on it yeah so I think that element as well for us is even I find myself passing it down to the next set of children or you know generation in the yeah. education system will be will, is key to passing on the legacy yeah. teams as well and I suppose that's, that's important to obviously to all of us but I think particularly as educators yourself and Helena um you know I think definitely there's nothing like being sort of well for myself being thrown into a class and said right go in there now I remember going to talk to James Nicaragua my first class go in there now and teach uh, a song you teach them what you know you know, you pass on yeah. what you know. And it was such a massive kind of light bulb moment for me. I'm responsible for this, for passing this on to these kids. And I can't go back next week and say, actually, no, I, I did that wrong. I have to do it right. And I know what you mean, Jamie, when you say about like having learned from other people, you, you're educated from other educators and you yeah. use that now, I'm sure, in your everyday job. Definitely. And I suppose it's, again, Alina will... Um, notice this and Derwin as well you would use it in your own job I guess um it's it's some of the days you're you're putting on a an act because you're trying to um encourage them and um entice them to like it's the element of grabbing the apple and trying to be 
like really interested in what you're trying to teach them. And I suppose if you're able to bring that energy and enthusiasm and pass it on and what you got from other people and moving on from what we have from Shimsa and passing it on, I think that will ensure that the legacy of Shimsa is continues on and that it grows and builds. And as Helena mentioned, I suppose the element of national folk theatre that you, it can build to outside of Tralee and Kerry and that there's the potential as well Absolutely. to... Um, to look at the education system as well, I suppose, yeah. in the future. Yeah. That's a huge, um, huge kind of um, aspiration of ours, I suppose, as well, to get get into the reach out more outside of Munster almost and outside of Kerry. If something happened tomorrow and the building just wasn't there, the education and the passing on and the sharing and the stories would still live on in all of us and in, in all the other people that are in Chimsa. Lovely. Thanks, Jamie. Terwin. I guess I would have I would have quite a strong opinion on this but I think that's because you know we're always more critical of the things that we love and we know mm -hmm. and I find the people who have the most opinions about Sheems are people within Sheems sometimes Absolutely, because yeah. sure, we we can all make it better <laughs> we all we all should be in charge um my hope would be my immediate hope for Sheems would be that you know with everything that's happened in the past 12 months that there's been like this real worlds have gotten smaller we've maybe reprioritized what's going on in our lives or what's important to us we've probably reappraised as well like where we want to put our energy into like kind of really assessed where we're at and i i don't believe what has brought shimsa to this point is actually going to lead it to where it needs to go Mm -hmm. and there I think someone mentioned uh, it might have been Pierce and Noreen and, and this the idea of sort of like looking in the rearview mirror mm. and I think sometimes the actual legacy and reputation of Shimsa may stifle the immediate potential of it so this is like purely tangential but the amount of times like we're we're part of a a, a wider group for a, a younger generation and we have said, of course, in being, because we know, we know everything. And we were like, if they just gave Shimsa over to us for a year. Yeah. Like, we'd, like, you know, we'd do whatever we wanted to do. But that's, I don't think that's a comment on how the National Folk Theatre was being operated or run. Yeah. I think that was acknowledging that there was a want to create in that bunch of people. Absolutely. And I think at that time, there wasn't necessarily the avenues to leverage that creativity. Yeah. Um, which is unfortunate, but nobody is bitter about it because we do all love Shimsa, which is why we're here talking about it, you know? Yeah. And if I didn't care, I wouldn't give an opinion because I wouldn't have one. Yeah. So my hope would be, you know, that that it almost becomes flatter in the idea of what Shimsa is. Mm. I think an, an awful lot of the time the tension of, you know, well, we can't do that because that's not Shimsa. What is Shimsa? You know, what is folk theatre? It's not a singular idea. The you know, the idea that for those, for those probably held up as sort of like this, the, the longest standing, right? Mm -hmm. But that had a, con an, a, an, a conception point. Somebody mm -hmm. said, we're going to put on this show. The permission to do that is the permission that should be afforded, I think, in sort of equilaterally across everybody. Yeah. I'd love to see uh, more contemporary issues being spoken about. I like the idea, like maybe we, maybe Shimsa would reassess what does good look like? Maybe it's not a show that makes it into the regular repertoire 
-hmm. It's actually something that is about a moment in time is a statement piece. Maybe it doesn't actually, you know, a lot of the times the topics that we discuss or the, the subject matter in the shows, they don't actually come down one side or the other on an opinion. Emmy Gain like spoke about immigration, but it wasn't saying immigration is good or bad. Mm -hmm. It was saying that it was part of life. Mm -hmm. So there are so many amazing contemporary conversations that are happening. Mm -hmm. Why shouldn't Shimsa? Yeah. Hold a mirror up to society and kind of go, this is what the folk of today are discussing. Yeah. Um, yeah, anything like that. I would that would that would be my hope. There's so much to consider within those that that, I guess. There's as you said, the legacy and I think to an extent that the not that we've forgotten about, you know, our forefathers or generations before, but you know, I think there's more of an ownership now. I guess we're of a certain age to, you know, the company and mm. um or what do we want to say and and what do we want to reflect back. And definitely within folk theatre, I think all over the world, there's there's not that specific right, you know, I'm going to reflect a major issue in contemporary society today. There's an argument to be had that, you know, it's an ent it's 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 our audiences that come into us that we want to entertain, you know, and I think that there's an expectation too with an audience that you've created over a long number of years. And as you say, you know, there comes a time where you have to say, okay, well what, what are we going to say now? But definitely I think um you know it's something it's food for thought as they say I, just on that there though I think you said something really interesting about sort of the audiences coming in because mm. I I don't envy Sheem's position at all <laughs> in terms of like historically but even in the I remember when I it was when I left Sheemsa to actually go to Dublin to work at another art center mm -hmm. um Driocht. and that in itself has its own heritage because it's in D15 there's a massive youth population there and it was the first time that I was able to kind of step outside the bubble and kind of see Shimsa within the ecosystem. And what I realized was there is an amazing ability for Shimsa to deliver work, right, in terms of what we've done already. But there's also a responsibility mm. as like one of the utmost art centers in Southern mm. Ireland. Um, so you have, you know, you have this gravitas on your shoulders. And while there is a, a duty of care to the audience, in terms of you know what they want to see i also think there's a duty of care in the same way that you know Shimsa might be the only place for that audience to get that piece of art for the for the cast for the artists for the company that's also is their only opportunity to create something and if you're trying to please everyone you're pleasing yeah. no one yeah so yeah. you it's almost like I think in the short term, if you constantly strive to please the audience, oh, yeah. you'll end up long-term disappointing the people that are actually yeah. doing it. So it's, okay. yeah, but it's weighing up everything. So thanks guys for sharing your time with us and your stories and your strong opinions. <laughs> it was great to see you all and great to have a chat and hopefully we'll be together soon. Take care. Thanks, thanks for having us, Joe. Thank you so much, Joe. Bye. Thanks for listening to our podcast, which was edited by Tom Hannafin. For further information on Shim Satira and our new and upcoming work, head over to our website at www.shimsatira.com. You will also find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Until next time, bye bye.